0: We'll be reading uh, from a couple of um, passages from the Bible. The first is found in Colossians chapter three, and it's just one verse uh, from verse 13, and then the next will be from Matthew chapter six and verses uh, 12 to 15. So first of all, Colossians chapter three, and the words will come up on the screen as well. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then our next passage is actually from a a prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. And from verse 12 we read, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins.
1: Good morning everyone. We just pray and uh, just pray that uh, this word would go out and uh, really have power in our hearts today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that these are the words of your son, Jesus, that are life-changing, that are game-changers as far as our world is. And Lord, we, we just open our hearts to receive from you now. Would you move in power and would none of us go away without having something to chew on in the week ahead, and that by your Spirit you would change us through your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there are two stories that I wanted to begin with. Uh, one I suspect is a made-up one and one I know to be true. Uh, so we'll start with the uh, the made-up one, although it might have some, uh, some base somewhere. Um, this is a story of a couple who uh, were living together and uh, were married, happily married, and uh, they were quite distracted at times by next door's behaviour, particularly next door's washing line. Uh, the lady was very diligent next door, she would always put their sheets out on a lovely drying day like this and uh, she would always put them out and uh, the the wife uh, of the neighbour would look out and look at her neighbour's washing and she would think, isn't it a shame that she never gets her whites quite right? they're always just that slightly, you know, less than white look. And what a shame if she used the washing powder that we use here in this house, she would get that really personal whiteness, you know, other brands are available. Um, But uh, she would get that really good personal whiteness. And what a shame. And I wonder, she said, George, I wonder whether one of us should say something because it's so simple. She just needs to, to change washing powder. Anyway, I think the husband was less passionate about the issue, but it went on and on for a while. And he would hear, his wife going on about next doors washing and then one fine day down she came she looked out and next door had got all her sheets out absolutely pristine white on the washing line she thought finally she's done it she's changed her her washing powder and it looks brilliant and actually so her husband said well it could be that love or it could be that i clean the windows this morning <laughs> Um, And uh, I quite like that little story. I mean, I love a good washing line anyway, but I like that story because of this whole business of forgiveness that we're looking at. Because it's very easy, in a way, to see when people are in the wrong, to make our judgments through our windows out on the world and to say there's something wrong there. And, And we all do it. Every single one of us do it. And we see it through a lens sometimes of our own righteousness, don't we? We think, you know, I would never do that. I might sin, but I'd never do that. Whereas actually the Bible is very clear that actually all sin is sin and offensive to God and hurtful for him. So it's an interesting story because actually in Jesus, we get to have our windows clean. We get to look at the world differently We get to have a fresh start, if you like, on every single day that we're alive when we're able to say sorry to him. The second story is slightly more challenging than the washing story, all right? So uh, this is a story that is true and has shaped really a lot of the way that we do justice here in this country. Jesus, we're looking at as a game changer today, as we have for the last couple of weeks. How has Jesus changed the way that we do forgiveness? How has he changed the way that actually we can interpersonally forgive one another? because that has come into uh, our our faith really through Jesus. And uh, there's a story told uh, based on the South African Truth Commission uh, where there were some security guards who had brutally, brutally murdered uh, a woman's husband and son. And she is now in the courtroom, and there's the Truth and Commission uh, courtroom, and she is allowed to face this guy. She's allowed to look at, look into the eyes of, if you like, the guy that has taken her whole family away. And not only that, but she was made to watch while her husband died. They made her watch, and the the last words her husband shouted were Father, forgive them. So this is brutal stuff. And this is her words, so she's asked uh, by the head of the uh, Reconciliation Commission, what do you want to happen now? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? I want three things, begins the old woman calmly. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. My husband and my son were my only family, so secondly, I want for Mr. Vanderbruck to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I have still remaining within me. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. I would like Mr Vanderbroek to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive me. This was also the wish of my husband. And so I would kindly ask someone to cross to my side and lead me across this courtroom so that I can take Mr Vanderbroek in my arms, embrace him and let him know that he is truly forgiven. And this happened uh, many years ago in a courtroom in South Africa. And what happened next was that as she was taken over and as she was able to be reconciled to Mr. Vanderbroek, the guy who had killed her family, the whole of the courtroom broke out, starting to sing Amazing Grace, just impromptu move of the Spirit in just people saying, this has to be something that is not of this world, that is outstanding, that is amazing. So how is Jesus a game changer as we look at our justice, as we look at this business of forgiveness? Because God surely has always wanted to forgive and that we know to be true. Right through the very, from Eden onwards, he has wanted to be reconciled to us. But actually in Jesus, we have something different. The Old Testament, God, if you like, uh, was one that had conditions around forgiveness that it was conditional. You had to be in the right place, if you like, at the right time. You know, we read that actually Moses and Aaron had to actually wear the right undergarments. They had to wear a special kind of linen even to go into the tent of meeting to risk judgment. That was the kind of worship that they were used to. When Joseph, if you know the story from Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Code, if you don't know it in the Bible, you'll know it from there, and he, he sees his brothers. And his brothers are the people who've been responsible for him being in prison, for him being thrown into a pit. And yet there he is, his brothers come face to face. And what does he do? He extends kindness to them. We hear that he speaks kindly to them, that he is warm to them, but he says, I can't forgive you. He says it's only God that can forgive. So there we have the Old Testament way, the way of condition, the way that actually there were certain things. There was atonement to be made. There were sacrifices to be given across the board. So God has always wanted to be reconciled, but in Jesus, he sends us an atonement so that we can be forgiven and we can forgive one another. And I think that's the thing that perhaps we forget, that through Jesus, interpersonal forgiveness comes. Before that, it was just to God, but God gave judgment to Jesus, and through him, we can forgive one another. So as we read these scriptures that Marcus read, what does Jesus actually teach us? Well, he says that we're to bear with one another, but he actually goes a little bit further than that. And we're gonna look at three clips today uh, from this uh, a film about looking at forgiveness. And We stand for mercy. And that is something that has come through with Christ. But actually, in our old judicial system, it was very much we know about capital punishment. We know that still today, people are hung for their crimes. But actually we are so privileged in this nation, in the nations like Australia, to have a system, it may not be perfect, we know it's not, but actually a system that is for retribution, that is actually for people being reconciled, which is for people's uh, real rehabilitation in many ways. And I think sometimes it's very easy again for us to forget how it once was in terms of grace and justice. Jesus said, love your enemies. In Matthew 5, he says, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. But then he goes on to say something more. He says, actually, when your enemy greets you, you know, and you say shalom back again, that's not good enough. He says even the pagans do that, or he says even the tax collectors, which is always a wound for me. Uh, My father was a tax collector growing up and uh, my sister and I used to be uh, very embarrassed about what he did for a living uh, because Jesus apparently hung out with these terrible people called tax collectors, but I think he was a good one. But nevertheless, they were used, if you like, as people that love couldn't reach because they were unjust, because actually this forgiveness wasn't for them. But he says, love your enemies and actually, Actually, wish shalom to those who sin against you. That meant to actually wish them well. It wasn't just enough to reply when they greeted you. He says it doesn't matter whether they greet you or not, that actually you should wish them well. Hannah Arendt, who's uh, done quite a lot of research into uh, the impact of Jesus, says that the discovery of the role of forgiveness in human affairs was Jesus of Nazareth. That actually human affairs come, the grace that we now know in our judicial system came from there. And forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Every person here in this room will have been sinned against every single one of us. And every single one of us will sometimes hit something that we think, actually, I can't forgive that. Going around the country in recent years, I have found time and time and time again, this is a stumbling block where people get stuck. And I know in my own life how we can think that we're free of it how we can think, or do you know, I'm all is right with the world, and I'm at peace with every single person, and then something can come into our thinking or into our hearts where we think, actually, <clears throat> I haven't quite let go of that. To forgive is to let go. And we hear Peter, really close to Jesus, come to him and actually ask a quite cheeky question. And again, perhaps we miss some of the cheekiness of it. He says to Jesus, he says, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? He says, you know, is it seven times? Now we just think that that's some random number, but the number that you were supposed to forgive people was three times in Hebrew culture. So he's doubling it and then some, when he says, really, seven times. So if you like, he's showing off a bit to Jesus, saying, should I really forgive seven times? And Jesus looks at him and says, 70 times seven, the infinite number. In other words, it's not a number, it's an attitude of the heart. And this is tough stuff for all of us. Uh, even just being at Bourneville last week and, and uh, hearing people saying, actually one person said, my unforgiveness has become a, lo- a friend to me. It's almost like a comfort that, that they don't want to let go of. And yet Jesus says, let go. Why? Because actually you will be drinking your own poison. Nelson Mandela says that. Holding on to resentment and bitterness is really like drinking a poison that you've prepared for your enemy. I was very moved. Uh, Rachel Pumphrey sent me the link to Rachel Riddle's interview that's uh, come onto Facebook this week. Uh, Rachel part of this congregation for many years, part of our Alpha team, uh, and uh, talking about the loss of her son, Sam, and talking really openly about this battle to forgive the woman who uh, was driving recklessly and took the life of her son. And she said, one day it was a choice, but it is an ongoing choice. One day she thought, I will forgive this woman, but actually it's an ongoing thing. How many times should I forgive? 70 times seven. And I think for me, reading up and preparing for this talk, it's been really challenging to my own heart again. You know, I, I, I was sitting preparing, thinking this is all fine for me. This is lovely because a few years ago it wouldn't have been. And then straight back in, there was something that I needed to deal with. It is an attitude of our heart. It is a tough, tough attitude. And I think Rachel's courage in saying what she said and meaning it, (laughs) I'm sure there are days when she finds it hard too. Uh, We know that we fall short and this grace is for us. Whether you're a believer or not today, his grace is for all of us. And through Jesus, who was perfect, who was and is God, He atoned for all of this so that we could be forgiven. And I think as you go on in the faith, I don't know how long you've been a believer or whether you're just looking at faith at the moment, but I think actually sometimes the discovery for me as a 19-year-old woman to discover that I was forgiven was absolutely incredible. I was out on the streets within a day telling people about it uh, because I was just so amazed that he would forgive uh, as we hear a a wretch like me, as, as one of our hymns says. And actually I became a Christian and the, the words that were being sung were, my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. And actually, sometimes we put those chains back on. We put them, we wrap them back around ourselves and we, we have this culture of, of really being very, very tough with ourselves. And I know as a pastor from meeting up with all of you and many others that, that we can be incredibly tough on ourselves. And I just say extend this grace not only to one another but to yourself as well. Uh, because our sins are forgiven in Jesus. Jesus said an interesting thing, and again, I've only recently discovered this. I found out that others knew it long before me. Um, But this is when uh, we hear in the Gospels that the disciples get into the boat with Jesus and there's a storm. Uh, There's actually an amazing phrase that Jesus says that perhaps, again, we lose, we brush over. Uh, It's the day of the storm and Jesus is in the boat. It's in Mark uh, chapter four. And just as they get into the boat, Jesus says, let's go over to the other side let's go over to the other side. And I just thought, or maybe there's a better acoustic over there for his speaking, you know, when he gets up and he's gonna do some teaching. And then reading up about what that actually meant, that was massive for the disciples. Not only were they facing a potential storm, but actually they were being asked to go to an area called Decapolis, which was an area that they believed was inhabited by the devil. It was the area that they thought Satan lived. Teaching had been that it was pagan. The Rabbianic tradition said that the other side where seven nations of Canaan had settled, was full of violence, was full of sexual expression and greed. It was the, the kind of worst place, if you like, that they could set sail for. Let's go over to the other side, would have put fear in them already before the storm came. And actually, for Jesus to be saying, I'm taking you to the other side, was absolutely radical. It was brilliant, because this was the land that they thought love had forgot. This was the land that grace couldn't touch. And yet Jesus says, that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. And interestingly, when the storm subsides and they get over to the other side, who do they meet? A man who is possessed with a demon. The first person they meet. So if you like, all their worst fears in the first (laughs) entrance onto that land uh, come to pass. And they thought, oh, it really is like that. This really is where God's grace can't reach. Here's this man, he's out of control, he's unwell, whatever is the first person. But not only does Jesus deal with him for his freedom and for his forgiveness and his grace, but actually the next time the disciples go over to that community, there are hundreds of people coming to try and speak to and hear from this Jesus. Why? Because they've heard someone came over from the other side for us. Someone risked it for us. If you like, we were the land that love had forgot, but somebody risked it for us and brought his team of friends along too. And I was challenged uh, when I was preparing for this talk. I was challenged by that. And I think I, I feel that we need to all challenge one another in that. What does it mean for us this week to go over to the other side? What does it mean in your context, in my context, to go somewhere it might be a bit risky, to have a conversation that might be risky, to go visit someone that might be a bit risky? Whatever that is, even if it is someone who you feel, I have broken friendship with that person, but actually God would say, if I've done it for you, if my grace has been sufficient for you, as we've heard earlier on, then how is it that we can hold on to that resentment that actually the best thing that we can do, although one of the hardest things, is actually to let go and to go over to the other side? And I wonder this week, we'll have a chance to respond in a moment, but I wonder this week what that might look like in terms of forgiving someone. I know I was sat in a group of uh, people, I won't say where, uh, this week thinking this is me going over to the other side. I thought, I feel so out of place in this situation. I feel very, very much uh, the underdog. I, I feel very, very out of place in the conversations and everything. And then I thought, I thought back to my talk from last week at Bourneville, and I thought, Judy, this is you going over to the other side. It's not always going to be easy, but actually we're taking a message that is life-changing, that has changed our world, that has changed our culture, and actually Jesus' cry to us is do the same. He took his disciples with him and he takes us with him. Let's go over to the other side. And finally, as we come, I wanted to just say to you that forgiveness doesn't mean what happened to you was all right. And I say that very much from the heart of a pastor, because sometimes if you've been raped, if you've been abused, if something horrific has happened in your life, and many of you have experienced that in a whole host of ways, it is not okay and I remember weeping with a, a woman uh, on a women's conference who, whose husband had committed suicide and uh, who was in a really, really terrible place. And she couldn't forgive her husband for not telling her that he was depressed, for taking his life and for leaving her with young children. And it was a real kind of lightning moment for her to realise that that wasn't okay. It wasn't okay that he didn't get the right help that he needed. None of it was okay. But actually, Jesus says, it's just to free you up so that you don't drink the poison, so that you can live freely and lightly in this land. And actually, as we read at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is very clear you know, forgive lest your father doesn't forgive you. His heart is that all of us be reconciled to him, that we don't let the poison take a hold of us. Uh, I was uh, with Adrian Plass a few weeks back, as some of you know, doing a a kind of chat about this. And uh, very interesting, Uh, there was a woman there who opened up and she said, uh, I just want to talk about forgiveness and say how hard it's been. She said, I was married to a man who we found was uh, sexually abusing my children, and was obsessed with images online, and uh, went to prison, and uh, finally took his life in prison. And she said, I just want to say in front of this community, this was up in Newcastle, she said, I just want to say, um, I can forgive him, because I'm a sinner saved by grace. And the whole room went really quiet. And then a woman said, well, can I just say something here? And she was angry. And she said, I don't know that you have to forgive everything. She said, can I give you an example of what's happened to me? This is just after this lady has just said that. And she said, I was running a bazaar. And she said, I had a table out for all the children's uh, toys and things to buy. I'd got the table ready. I'd just gone to go and get some lining for the table when a woman came along and took my table away. Just took it away. She said, I didn't have a table then. She didn't apologise. And she started this rant, which really was to do with somebody taking her table at a bazaar. And I saw Adrian Plas's face. It was just, what happens now? And the whole room were just sort of looking at one another thinking, what do we do? Because she she said, I mean, there are some things you can't forgive. And it almost seemed like she was saying that, yeah, it was okay for this lovely lady to do this brutal work of forgiveness over time, but somebody to have the audacity to take away her table was the unforgivable sin. Um, now that actually happened in front of my eyes. It was very, very awkward and, and everybody involved, I thought, dealt brilliantly with what was an incredible awkward situation. But I drove away from that thinking that It's all sin. (laughs) You know, whether we nick something out from somebody and we're unapologetic about or whether we do something absolutely horrendous, it is all sin. And we are all sinners saved by grace. And God must hear all our different prayers, whether it's about something that's really got us going and we're ranting about it. And he's had another prayer from someone who's just lost someone. It all matters to God. It all matters to him because of his great love for us.